Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. Hey, Willie, I thought we were clear. You cannot co-host the BCA miniseries with me. Yeah, okay, let's get a deal. You can be in the intro of every episode, but that's it. No, 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 not chocolate. Not chocolate involved. That's competition. I live in Switzerland. You know what I mean? Okay. We'll begin with a spin traveling in the world of my creation. What we'll see will Hello, everybody, and welcome to Brumbagoon. You will not get there on a road bike. BCA miniseries, stomach bug edition. A little update on that. You know that actually I have a stomach bug running around my flat and I think that now finally got shelter in my stomach as well. By the time that you are listening to this podcast, probably I'm going to be in bed. But anyways, that's not the thing that we need to discuss about. We need to discuss about the miniseries and the people that I met during this great event called Road Bike Connection Spring 22. Yes, that's the name. And as you know, I was running around different houses in this amazing maison, talking with people, talking with brands about values, about heritage, about everything that become really a brand in this main absence, and not only about nerd stuff. Today we are going to talk, actually I already talked with, but today you are going to listen to three huge and great brands that are really making adventure and uh, sustainability and as well as inclusivity their main part. I'm going to talk with Hutchinson and there we're going to really discuss on what means Hutchinson, not only for the tires world but for the bicycle world and also for the little area where they have their production and uh, their factories. Then we're going to talk with Hunt and everything related to that and then we're going to talk with Ridley with the huge heritage of the Belgian brand that is really arriving until the launch of the new Kanzo Adventure, the new bike that makes you unlock a lot of new things with your bike. Stay tuned, you're going to listen to that. But first of all, just wanted to tell you that you can share, subscribe, do whatever you want to do on your platform with this podcast. The second thing, thanks to Komoot to support this podcast. Super soon you're going to listen more about Komoot, exactly in this mini-series. And if you want your free region, just subscribe at komoot.com g, like Greenland, and put the code BROOM there. What else I have to say? Yes, remember that down here you can see the supports that they give to Baikigis, the charity in Berlin. And as well, if you want to support me down here, you will find the coffee link. I think I'm missing something. I don't feel super good. But yeah, all the recording that are here for this episode are going to be in a better shape. At least I was in a better shape. I will talk to you at the end. Yo, I'm sitting here in the, we can call it Hutchinson House. Yes, we can call it for this event for about half an hour. And seems like we are talking the same language. So it's the time really to put everything on records and to talk about what we have been talking about and telling a bit more the story of this brand and the values of it. So I'm here sitting 
Let's give you people a bit of scenario. So I'm sitting on the floor, even if behind me there is an amazing and super comfortable sofa because I want to be closer to the people I'm talking with. And I'm surrounded by bikes, tires, and there is this smell of rubber that it's amazing. So I'm talking with... Puna, nice to meet you. And I'm Sylvie, nice to meet you. Great people, it's... Yeah, it's really a pleasure uh, to meet you and uh, it's great that actually we have been sitting here talking about a brand that is really on the deepest heritage of road cycling or cycling in general because we are talking about a company that is in the cycling industry for a couple of hundred years maybe? A hundred and more than 130 years actually because uh, Hutchinson has been producing bicycle tires since uh, 1890 in France in the same factory that we have now. We're uh, the only one, uh, um, the only manufacturer you know, of uh, bicycle tires in France and um, yeah, more than 100 years now. That's uh, amazing. That's super great. And also another thing that actually uh, astonishes me all for all this time is you have also cycling is not one single thing for you. I can see here gravel ride, gravel tires. I can see road tires. I know that you have also mountain bike tires. There was one put here and now it's somewhere else. But for you, cycling is really something 360, right? So we've started uh, with road cycling because it was the only bicycles back then. Um, and very quickly, yeah, we diversified in uh, mountain biking when mountain biking started to exist. And then uh, gravel and also city and e-bike uh, tires. Um, it's definitely our DNA. We don't want to dictate um, how or what you have to practice and what you want what you need to do uh, we just have um, a large offer of um, very uh, different tires and you do what you want to do actually and we love cycling in in general we're not here to say that um, road racing is the best or the most important or mountain bike and free ride is the only stuff we really love everything about cycling and you decide you choose what you want to do that's great. Actually, let's touch base one second about it, then we're going to talk about something like a bit more juicy. But you are also, so for sure you are in the pro peloton, right, of uh, road cycling? Not anymore. Not anymore. You used, we, we used to, ride, to work with the Total Direct Energy team, mm -hmm. but we, we stopped, I think, one year ago. Okay. And, but we are working with a lot of ambassadors that uh, ride all type of bikes from road to downhill bike in the Red Bull Rampage or all type of bike, gravel, bike, mountain bike, cross-country bike, uh, dirt bike, everything. So That's great. You're talking about ambassadors, so no sponsorship. And so ambassadors means partnership with people. And uh, that's the thing that actually I felt whenever I was sitting here on the sofa and I was listening to you people talking about what you want to give to cycling. So something like giving the people the possibility of riding whatever they want and also giving to cycling the, um, let's say, uh, inclusion flavor that has to have. So that's what you are putting together into the cycling world, right? Having something like representation, inclusivity, and giving to people the possibility of leaving cycling to everybody in their own way. 
I think it also reflects who we are in who we are internally at uh, Hutchinson. We're um, male and, and female, and riding very different types of bikes. And we're kind of um, a small cycling department compared to our competitor. And this proximity that we have between us, uh, it's also the proximity that we want to develop with our ambassadors and all the people that um, enter the Hutchinson family. Let's say. Um, so yes, we we really want to develop a human relationship with the people that we're working with, and we love every type of of cycling. And even if I'm not a pro free rider, <laughs> I like a lot to talk with Reed Boggs, who is gonna do the who is doing the Red Bull Rampage, for example. I love to attend um, hardcore mountain bike events because I'm very curious about it and very amazed by what they're doing and on the same side Paulin who is um, a lot uh, on the mountain bike he likes to come to uh, road racing events or road stuff and yeah we do a bit of everything and we love everything so yeah something that I want just to ask you is about your how would you call it payoff for brand identity write your own story tell me more about that Yeah, the, this, base, the, this baseline was, um, I think, developed last year or two years ago when we start to remove and rebuild re our brand identity. We want to, to share all, um, all our ambassadors, all our users, the, their own way to ride bikes. So you can be a free rider, you can be a gravel man, you can be every every type of bike and we just want to show how how you use your bike and how you practice uh, this discipline you can do it for for fun for competition for um, commuting for everything so we want to promote this type of uh, using your bike basically it's yourself shaping your experience with the bike and not the other way around you're not dictating the bike use but you're actually let's say, uh, improving or even better facilitating the use of a bike? We also think that cycling is kind of a lifestyle, whatever the type of um, cycling you do, uh, whereas it's uh, mountain biking or road cycling or gravel. Uh, the bike can take a very big part in your life, actually, um, because you can be using it to commute every day and it becomes the way you move yourself in the city or outside the city. It can become your partner in the adventures that you do alone or with people. I've made a lot of friends thanks to bicycling, for example. I've met my boyfriend on the bike. <laughs> and... Um, And, um, and yes, and write your own story. It means that uh, we, I think we live in a world right now that is very crazy with a lot of information all the time, with social networks everywhere. With, um, you're always like pushed with information and the bike is, in our opinion, a good way to just like make a, a pose, you know, and live your life like you want. <laughs> No, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I completely visualize and compare my life to yours on saying also most of the friends that I have are actually there because of cycling. And uh, it opens your life. It opens your world. It opens your perspective. It's uh, something that really absorbs you probably too much. If I have to think about that, it's my hobby, my, my favorite hobby. 
It's part of my work. It's part of my dreams. It's part of my documentation most of the time. But it's good, right? It's overwhelming, but on the other side, it's, uh, it's super great. Um, we were talking about that. I want to actually touch base on another couple of things. And the first one is about the fact that Hutchinson is really based in France and also good part of the production of the tires in this case is also based in France. And that's also a great link with the territory, having everything in the proximity and also having um, a full community supporting and being supported by Hutchinson. That's a super great point. Yeah, and so we are based in chalet sur loin It's a small city, 100, uh, 130 kilometers south from uh, from Paris. And uh, Hutchinson is actually... So we are not producing only bicycle tires there, uh, but uh, Hutchinson is the main employer of, uh, of the region. And this is also something that is very important uh, for us. Uh, we can see that the government and um, the public... Uh, Uh, public uh, institutions are more and more keen to uh, help us also promote cycling in, in this region and to make partnership with uh, other um, sport or outdoor brands that are, uh, that are there. Um, because, uh, yes, having a, uh, being the main employer of a region is very important uh, to, for all the relationships and, and the jobs that it gives also to people. No, that's, that's great. It's really great. Another thing that comes into my mind, still talking about the inclusivity and uh, everything that is really related and is into the DNA, as it looks like from, uh, from Hutchinson. Um, having a look to your ambassadors and everything, you're also telling a good story of uh, representation and inclusion. How did it come? I think it was very uh, natural. I would say it, it's, um, as I said before, as we're very, like, we're small and we have a, a very big proximity internally between each other. Uh, the people we approach to become ambassadors of, uh, of Hutchinson, it's not just because they have beautiful Instagrams and uh, a lot of people that are following them. It's uh, because of um, their personalities and because there was a good match between our values and, and who they are. Um, and we didn't decide to work with uh, this guy or this, uh, this woman just because um, he's uh, like this or like that. It's because we became friends somehow um, and because we were on the same length and because we want to show that, yeah, you don't have to uh, earn uh, 100K per year and be a white man. <laughs> that, uh, that, uh, that to be part of cycling and you can, you can be like whoever you are and it's the most beautiful, most beautiful thing just to be who you are and, and yeah, and have fun and enjoy and be respectful Um, respectful of other persons, uh, respectful also of the nature. Um, of course, tire manufacturing is still not as we would like it to be, but it's one of our main challenges and one of the most important things that we'll be focusing on in the next few years. It's sustainability because uh, we love cycling, but we love the environment in which we cycle and we need to preserve it. Are you sure that we are not together talking about the same language here? Because it's crazy. Sustainability. So we're talking about inclusivity and it's in your core. And now you're talking about sustainability. It's still one of my pillars of the podcast. And tell me more then about sustainability. What's the next steps? If you can tell me anything, what are you working on? 
we, we are actually working on to know what the, the bad impact we have on uh, our environment because we know rubber is not the 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 best uh, the best material uh, respecting the, the environment so we work for for the moment we work to analysis what we are what is our impact and then we are going to develop some new compound new things that are more uh, respectful for the environment so we work on it it's not uh, already <laughs> done but it's on the way and uh, yeah we put a lot of uh, it for effort and energy on it to to improve our um, our way of developing tires that's great yeah sustainability is a great thing and what about recycling do you have also something idea some idea in mind of you can do something on uh, yeah uh, the recycling side or the circular kind of projects idea if you have something there yeah we we work or on a, a program to recycle a tube in air tube and uh, yeah but um yeah it's not a circle inside the bike industry we are going to use in fact we are going to um how do you say uh, to make a powder make a powder from the for, from the air tube and then use it for for uh, isolation in energy or uh, or all the stuff outside of the industry, but we are, um, yeah, doing to reuse the inner tube after you have the puncture or it's not any more usable on your bike. If I can go a bit more on details on that, because I've heard a lot of these stories there and they are pretty interesting. How does it work logistically? So basically, I have a puncture in my inner tube. It's not usable anymore. How can I give back the tube to you? It's something that I have to give it back to the dealer or to the shop. How does it work? Yeah, we are going to... It's actually on the way to be implemented everywhere and everything. So, But the, it's going to work. You will have some... Um, like trash or special boxes in the shop and you will get back with your tire with your inner tube and you give the it to the, to the shop and then we as Uchinson we are going to collect all the, the stuff and make uh, some new new things with the dust product that's super great so we talked about inclusivity we talked about sustainability these are core values for you people let me ask another question because we talked about that as well adventure seems like is another good value that is represented by Hutchinson and we were talking about also the partnership collaboration also with uh, the TCR with Transcontinental Race tell me more about that um, we like a lot the idea that you can do amazing stuff just thanks to your legs and two wheels and a bit of rubber <laughs> and um it's um it's i think especially in the times that we live in right now um with this idea of taking less your pla the plane for example to go on an adventure to discover something uh with all the two difficult years that we have we had with covid and the lockdowns Um, maybe it forced us to rethink how what is adventure actually. And um, with the bike, you discover that you not you don't have to go too far to do something amazing. And maybe you didn't know that in your place you had so many cool stuff. For the our new gravel tire, um, we have which is made uh, in Chalet sur Loin. We have actually made all the video and the photo shoot like just 50 kilometers from the factory, so we didn't have to go on the other part of the planet. And the shots are great, and there was a lot of fun. So, so it was really cool. And uh, I think this is one of the things that we like the most um, in bikes. 
Um, and we were very happy to uh, to see that uh, those values are shared by Anna, uh, which is uh, who is the the organizer of the transcontinental race. Um, we that love was on the broom wagon also some years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, we like uh, we like this idea of uh, pushing your limits the 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 most um, the the most you can. Yeah, yeah, anyways, it's a life podcast, so it's not a problem. <laughs> and um, and uh, we like also about the transcontinental race that she promotes, uh, found the, tra- the, the organization, the transcontinental race promotes diversity and inclusion in, in every way. Um, it's in Europe, it's very hard, it's a hell of an adventure and uh, we'll be very happy to to help all the cyclists that uh, that uh, will do the transcontinental from now on um, for being focusing only on the the pleasure or the pain of the adventure but not taking care of the problems with their tires <laughs> no yeah that's uh, that's really great i just want to add a couple of things uh, maybe the first thing is that uh, for sure you were talking about the adventure side and everything and actually yes that's pretty a good core and doing it with the Uh, with the transcontinental race is probably I don't know the one of the hardest thing that you can do on the bike and uh, that's super great another thing that I want to add just really briefly thanks a lot for mentioning COVID because in this podcast in the broom wagon most of the times or actually all the times that people my guests so you are my guest this time um, are mentioning COVID or myself I'm doing it I'm dropping a coin that is going to end up in my COVID jar and so basically the context there is that a couple of years ago when COVID arrived I was doing I was making a lot of podcasts. We were all at home. It was super easy to make interviews there. And everybody was talking about that. And I don't want to focus all my podcasts around it. So in order to limit it, I said, okay, all the time that we are saying COVID, I'm going to drop this coin into my COVID jar. So we are not going to talk about it so much. But still, we need it for a context, right? And then at the end of the year, it was last year, uh, all the jar, content of the jar went to a charity. And it was Sea-Watch. Uh, at that time, so the people that are saving uh, the refugees from the Central Mediterranean. This year, it's happening again. So thanks a lot for mentioning it. And I mentioned it also another couple of times. So three Swiss, three Swiss francs are going to be in. And this year, actually, the, um, the charity is uh, Baikigis, is called. And they are a charity in Berlin. And they are teaching to women, refugee women, mostly Afghani women, to ride a bike for a cultural thing, for an inclusion thing, and also for a freedom thing. So thanks a lot for mentioning it. Um, last question that I want to ask you and anyways I think that at a certain point we are really gonna uh, talk again because really the values are pretty well aligned and that's something that I really like but another question that I want to ask you you talked about having a lot of ambassadors a lot of people around the world using your tires developing the technology and everything can you tell me please a couple of anecdotes or just one when you received a call from one of your ambassadors that brought your tires products in really extreme situation and you said oh how can i do that oh yeah but for example we have reed boggs that is writing the red bull rampage and i think 
<laughs> for uh, we watch everyone was watching on the TV the, the the competition and I think he blew up the tires the the tube went out of the tires two years ago uh, two years ago and this I, year I also well. yeah I remember it definitely remember but it it was on a 360 I think it was a cliff of about 20 I think I don't know exactly but 20 feet or, or more I think it's more okay it's a really really big so he came and said oh I, each time I do a 360 on this type of jump, we have to. Uh, it came out of the wheel, so we work with the engineer and we find some solution to make the tire uh, smaller. So it's uh, harder to put on the rim, but it's harder to get out of the rim also. So we developed some new tires, prototype tires, especially for for the rampage. And uh, yeah, this year he. He, he made the third third at the rampage, so it's a good uh, good. Uh, no tubes came out. Yeah, tubes came out at the first run, but after he changed the tire, put the right one, and uh, yeah, it, he made third at the competition. So it's a good uh, <laughs> good situation. <laughs> that's a good story. Yes, yes, yes. That's great. Well, I would say that it was a perfect shot. I don't know if you want to add anything there. If you have anything, any plan for the future, anything that you want to share, my. Mike, I would say, yes. My podcast, no, it's not good. My radio, yes. My stream is your stream. <laughs> <laughs> That's no. We would like to thank you. Um, thanks a lot for 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 having us and for this conversation. I think it's uh, it's interesting to. Um, know about the products, but it's also very interesting to know who is behind and and why we do wha what we do. Um, and the, the yeah, the why is definitely uh, at the at the heart of uh, Hutchinson work. Um, so yeah, to conclude, I would just say that uh, ride the bike, feel alive. <laughs> That's perfect. I'm super sorry, people, if I jumped here asking for such stories instead of asking you for technical details on the tires. But I think that you were super comfortable with it. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Ciao. You know what's the cool thing of this morning, people, is that I actually have the first talk with people exactly next door from where I'm sleeping. So it was basically the first time that I was not late. Back. Was I late, Holly? No, you were bang on time. You did a great job. Well done, mate. Yeah, great job. It was also easy. I think I was a couple of minutes off, uh, not on time, delay, but yeah, it's fine. Anyways, I'm sitting here in the next door uh, apartment locations, mm, yeah, maison, of, uh, and, uh, and I'm here guesting and guest by the hunt uh, people that we had an amazing and lovely talk for the full time, talking about adventures and everything. And yeah in talking with uh my name is ollie uh ollie gray i'm the brand manager at hunt for kind of all things drop bar so that's road and gravel um but i've been at the company since since pretty much day one so across the years i have been i have been the entire customer service team back when you know we might receive 20 emails in a week um i've been the warranty team i've been dispatch and then you know as the company has grown and i've sort of moved through the company I've yeah I've ended up as as the brand manager so look after most of our sort of PR and marketing functions on the on the drop bar side um but I'm fortunate enough to still stay quite close to to the beyond side um and I work with Josh Hibbert who's um our beyond brand manager he was um he was at the company right at the beginning as well so I'm sure we're going to go into a little bit more of how close we are to the bikepacking and ultra scene and what the reasons are for that um So yeah, yeah, my name's Ollie. Nice. 
and uh, you're also a cyclist, don't you? Yeah, we're all riders. Um, the Hunt is part of a broader broader company known as the Rider Firm, and and it and it really does stem from a lot of our you know a lot of our product development and a lot of our, our ways of thinking do stem from the fact that we're all riders. You know, we come to events like this and. You know, very fortunate to work in a company that r rewards the idea of you know everybody should be taking their own bike and riding. And these meetings are really good. It's really nice to to get down into the weeds and the nuts and bolts of what we do. Um, but it's just as important, you know, once you have that lunch break and we all go out riding together with the media, with journalists, and spend a good time on bikes because, you know, bottom line is you know, as the cliche goes, nobody works in the cycling industry for the money, right? Like we do it because. We get to ride bikes in cool places with cool people, and it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, absolutely. And who's the privateer? Is it one four one that you have out there, or is it one six one? That's uh, Mr. Gossa van der Meer. Ah, Gossa. by the way, hi Gossa, how are you doing? Hello, I'm uh, Gossa. Been on the podcast before, so people might recognize my voice from <laughs> very long time ago from a very long podcast. But uh, yeah, I actually brought my privateer to a uh, road bike gravel event in Tuscany, but. Also, Italy, Italy is known for very good enduro riding, so I might stick around a bit longer when all the other guys go back to the UK. What are you racing then here in Italy? Uh, probably a lot of trails around Finale, San Remo and everything in between. That's, this sounds really good. Actually, I, my, I heard some rumors that yesterday you were on an enduro trail with your cross bike. Uh, rumors tend to be true, yes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we were uh, yeah we were doing the the gravel ride with the with the group and now also around here Massa Maritima. I heard rumors uh, that Nino Shooter actually has a holiday house here, and there's really good trails here. And yeah, we saw this bunch of uh, actually there were German people riding around with some Italian trail guides, and we're like, yeah, what they can do they on a and do a bike. Those guys were on big bikes. <laughs> I, saw, <laughs> yeah. I saw a couple of coil springs. I saw a couple of full faces. And we were out there in like t-shirts on cross bikes. And it's just, it's only natural, isn't it? You go, all right, let's go where they're going. Yeah. How bad can it be? Turns out it wasn't so bad. The jumps were all avoidable, but the arm pump was not avoidable. <laughs> we got to the bottom and it was, it was burning. Yeah. But we did all right. Yeah, I uh, had a good time and they were like, start filming those uh, like trains of enduro riders and you know, you know how enthusiastic Italian guys can be sometimes and then they were filming like this 10 enduro guys passing by and then I was with, uh, with a French rider from, from the Hutchinson Tires, he was a really good bike rider He's as well. He's a good rider man, he really Paul. knows. Yeah. Yeah, 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 he all but in a French way. Yeah, he knows his way around a bike. Man. Yeah, he, yeah, for sure. He has like this this little twenty mil dropper. suspension. Yeah, twenty. Fork. He's got a tiny dropper and a tiny suspension fork, but he rides that thing like he rides it like a downhill bike. Like he's got he's got the skills. And we were just sending it like behind those enduro guys, and then they were filming all the time, and then. Yeah, come on, gravel kids! And we were like with this t-shirt on, with like handlebar baggies, like floating around. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's like a. I'm not sure if this is a good sign of me getting older. But I used to not think twice at doing stuff like that. And I just remember a couple of times on the way down yesterday being like, "What's the Italian healthcare system like?" <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, well, I was uh, fortunately we didn't need to. We didn't need to use the services of it. But yeah, maybe I'm. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting a little bit. <laughs> A little bit out of this. <laughs> but so these kind of things happen to you guys all the time that you are in this kind of press event or whatever, or just when Gossa is here? No, we get ourselves into trouble without Gossa, like, pretty well. Like, we're pretty good at that. 
um, we tend to, as I say, we we have a we have a culture in in the company that rewards the rewards riding, rewards spending that time on bike, and whether that's from a from a perspective of developing product, you know, most of the staff at any given moment are riding wheels that are unavailable to the public yet. We're trying different things. We've got different hub systems on different bikes, and it's a really nice organic way to test product because that feedback loop is so small. Obviously, you want to lean into your professional teams. These guys put, you know, more miles onto wheels and have, you know, accelerated weight uh, rate of wear. And we're fortunate to have, you know, a great roster of riders that we can lean in to to do that. But actually, like using staff to test stuff and ride things and just have discussions internally, it's it's a really nice organic way to to just improve the product. You know, even if iterate, iteratively. So, yeah. yeah. It, long story sideways, we all smash up stuff. <laughs> That's super nice. Uh, so we all know that actually you have collaboration also with uh, the Pro Peloton and everything like that. But let's stick a bit on the yeah, beyond yeah, yeah. side of the world. Even if maybe one day we can actually have also a nice talk on how life in the Peloton looks different and with uh, difference than the uh, yeah everything that can happen in the the long ride and know in the Transam or whatever it is over there. But let's stick on the beyond life this is really a great and important part this really in the dna of hunt isn't it yeah absolutely actually i think we were um i think we had a, a more credible position in you know the ultra world uh, a world which we kind of you know refer to as, as as hunt beyond that's that kind of whole side of the business we had a we kind of had a good foothold in in that realm very early on and i think that was down to josh so josh was um josh was an employee before i was he subsequently left to go travel the world and then he got bored and came back again then he left again then he came back again left again and he's still finding his way but very 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 early on josh rode the tcr and this is back when you know way before any of us thought that this kind of bikepacking thing had any real merit or was cool it was it was it was really a fringe a fringe element of cycling it was very much a niche i think this was 2015 josh rode his first tcr or maybe his first tcr win was 2015 i have to fact check myself there. He but. was the first winner after Christoph Allegart, I think. So we're talking yeah. about really the first yeah. time. So the year that Allegart won, Josh came second or third, I think. Mm-hmm. And then the following year, Josh won. And that was on the first pair of um, Hunt Four Season Discs. Oh. And that was, I mean, pretty much the first pair. We still have that pair at the office. Um, I think I think one of the wheels is in the office, and one of them might be might be at Tom's house, or maybe Tom, uh, maybe Josh still has it. But that, you know, fast forward seven years, that's still our one of our most popular wheels. But anyway, yeah. So we we kind of enjoyed. It kind of goes back to that conversation I was having before about how we, you know, our process of product development is quite organic and, and stems from a, well, what what wheels meet our needs as riders and you have to remember you have to appreciate that back in 2014 2015 the level of choice for a capable road for season you know year round disc brake wheel set was very very limited you had options at, from Shimano and Mavic mm-hmm. um, but they were you know knocking on for two kilograms um, whilst you know you were able to race on cross-country wheels down at 1600 1700 grams and yeah um, i think we looked at that and just realized that there was significant improvements that could be made so initially initially we were making the sorts of wheels that people were wanting to use for 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 races like tcr and to have a very very early on tcr winner in the fold that i guess gave us a level of credibility um but just it, it just gave us this closeness and this this sort of 
um, affinity for the for the world of ultra and bike packing. I guess I don't want to I don't want to be like we were there before it was cool kind of thing, but like we were we were really developing products specifically for those needs. I think a long time before really anyone else was, and so I think to phrase it in the way that you did is is probably the most apt. It, it's kind of part of our DNA. It really runs runs through absolutely everything that we do and. Josh, as I say, left, came back, left, came back, um, but is still is still our hump beyond brand manager. And a lot of what that role entails for him um, is just remaining close to athletes, supporting athletes, giving them what they need, giving them a point of contact. And I think you know they feel better knowing that they've got somebody like Josh, who's you know well loved and well respected in 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 the scene and in the industry. Um, knowing that they have that guy looking after them, I think means means quite a lot. So it's always been a, a really rich part of what we do yeah perfect another thing that comes into my mind of course you talked about josh uh, we talked before about sofian so you're really supporting a lot of really nice riders but also you're giving back a lot to the community you were telling me about the program that you are uh, ready to to kick off for uh, african riders and actually the best riders in order for them to experience the most out of the european riding backpacking or gravel or whatever we want to call beyond beyond riding yeah yeah that's true um and i'm sure i'm gonna um possibly misspeak or misquote and josh will come down on me like a ton of bricks Um, i'm not gonna tell him no worries (laughs) but we are indeed yeah we're launching a scholarship this year um so that will involve um if memory serves i think the three highest placed um riders from sub-saharan africa um at I think race around Rwanda or migration gravel, uh, gravel race. I can't quite remember. I think it's race around Rwanda. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're looking to offer a scholarship to those riders and that will involve bringing them over to the UK and giving them a UK base um, for three or four weeks. I think that's later in the year, sort of July or August, maybe September. Um, and essentially just sort of lowering those barriers and enabling those guys to, to, to race some European races. So I think they'll be doing GB Juro as far as I'm, I remember, um, possibly um, further east in the Fens. Um, so it's really just about just about lowering, lowering those barriers and enabling and empowering riders from, from sort of disadvantaged backgrounds to, to, to kind of have a taste of, of, you know, what I think, I think in the you know in the UK and in in Western Europe we still have this this view that you know cycling super accessible and everyone can do it. All you need is a bike. But you know we have positions of privilege as as white European people, so of course our barriers to entry are lower. So it's um, really nice to be able to look at the broader context and go and say, well, hang okay, on, we can make a bit more of a difference a bit further away. Where you know it's not as simple as owning a bike. Owning a bike is not a simple thing to do. Um, so it's just about sort of empowering those riders to do a little bit more. So. Yeah, hopefully that'll be be good. Hopefully I haven't um, made any straight up lies there because I think Josh Josh knows a lot more about it than we do. And we're still in the process of, of ironing out all the details of that, what that looks like and, and how we can really make that actually have a positive impact, you know. So um, more details will be, be following on that. Yeah, yeah, I will try to speak with uh, with Josh, and then probably is going to be the one with giving me a bit more of details on that. Yeah, I know he's um, he's pretty pretty crap at answering emails, but I'll have to crack. Oh, I would never say that. Josh, if you're listening, I'm coming for you, mate. <laughs> I want to ask you the last question, uh, actually, Oli, and um, it's a bit more about the anecdotal part. Mm-hmm. 
I know all the texture, okay, you're doing amazing wheels or whatever, but from time to time, you're actually sponsoring people like Gosse, sponsoring, partnering with people like Gosse or people that are doing crazy stuff in whatever in the world. When was the real hard time that you got receiving this call or message and saying, look, I think I'm fucked up. Can you solve me this problem? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people... Um, it's well documented like Sofian had some issues whilst he was at, <laughs> was at, was at, at Silk, yeah. Silk Road um, you know there's no hiding from that um, and you know it's very difficult that's the difficulty with, with you know with, with working in that beyond side and working at that very at that very jagged rocky cutting edge of that end of the sport because you work on the professional road side and problems happen problems happen left right and center punctures this happens there's an issue with the frame there's an issue with my you know, di2 running out of battery that's kind of part of the game whereas you know when somebody's doing a silk road or an ultra race problems are magnified because they can be the end of that race that you know you, you don't hide that away in the team car there's no there's nothing else you know it's, it's there in plain sight for people to see so these things happen and you have to deal with them accordingly. Obviously, Kyrgyzstan is not an easy place to get spokes to in you know, a 24, 36-hour time period. So we were quite fortunate and quite fortunate to be working with a character like Sofian who was able to take that situation into his own hands. I know that if it was me, I'd have, you know, I'd have been all over the place, but he, he took the situation into his own hands and was able to sort that. Um, so yeah, these things, these things do happen um, and we had to... Yeah, just look at how we can um, better empower riders. So one of the things that came out of that is that we are starting to educate our beyond riders a little bit more um, in how to maintain their gear, how to look after their gear, what sort of spares they might need to take with them on, on certain rides and races so that um, when you know things happen, that can happen, rock strikes or, or, or mechanicals. Um, or crashes um, it's just about empowering those riders to be able to take control of the situation as best they can that's perfect can't wait actually to see all these new programs taking in place and actually people having fun on making more reparation on the road on the side of the road or in a ditch in Kyrgyzstan or in Rwanda whatever is going to happen <laughs> lovely well yeah thanks for, t- thanks, for, thanks for the chat thank you we are at our best level at this moment yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, that's because yeah, it's pretty weird. Actually, we met day number one, and then we actually, I think that we checked at each other about tags and stuff. Okay, when are we going to do? Okay, it's going to be the last one, then it's going to be super good. And now we are here talking about great bikes. So, where let's put a bit of context here. I am sitting in the Ridley house, and today actually I'm here together with Bert and Peter. Right, okay, right. great. I usually super bad with names. And... Uh, I have here, I can see some flowers around because they resemble completely some of the uh, scenery out here, but also resemble the place where you come from. You are from Belgium, and here, as I was saying, we are in the Ridley house where you are presenting some cool gravel bike. Correct. We are presenting here a new adventure gravel bike, which we are launching end of this month, and which is completely developed for adventure gravel biking with all the features that you need to go out there and explore and to go out for new adventures. So let's start from the beginning, though. You tell me who wants to talk about that. Let's talk about Ridley. Now, first memory that I I know the brand. I know that it's coming from the, from Belgium. I know actually the first thing that I remember it was uh, 
Thomas de Ghent using a Ridley that was kind with a retro look a bit of time ago because I don't know it is now actually I'm pretty I mean I'm really bad in these things I follow the Pro Tour but not as uh, in detail for technicalities and stuff but I remember that time it was probably the Lotto team and this amazing Ridley was there and it was kind of a game changer because okay it's not anymore this kind of space machine but it's something a bit more human right where Ridley stands in uh, let's say in terms of values and characteristics at that moment at this moment at this moment I think at Ridley we are we are a performance bicycle brand and we're not hiding that I mean we we come from racing background um, road racing we're very big in cyclocross uh, racing I mean we we feel that we make the best cyclocross bikes out there what's the name of the of the bike it's called the x Knight, the cross Knight. so and that's that's um, the one that that basically all the champions ride that bike and if they have the choice they will pick that bike <laughs> um, so yeah coming from a racing background a performance background our CEO and founder used to be a bike racer um, and then he stopped racing and he started painting bikes and building frames. So he's a frame builder by trade and also um, a frame painter. So we come from frame painting, frame building. So we know how to make bikes and we know how to make them look good. So the one at the Thomas de Gent bike you remember stand out because it had a nice paint job. And we pride ourselves in... in giving people the option to, to pick the paint shop they want, in the colors they want, huh? um, and, and go custom on their paint shops with, uh, with only a very small upcharge. And we're not charging a lot of money to give people that option. And we're now even pulling that through so that you can also choose like the, the specifications of your bike yourself. So for us, it's performance bikes um, with a custom touch, uh, that's what we stand for today, um, and in the future we wanna we wanna expand on that and and give people really the bike that they want for the riding that they are doing, and that's also what today with the new gravel bike um, is is a very good example of how we have a tool to do the adventures you want to do and do the riding you want to do, and this tool can be for you the right tool. And if it's not the right tool, we have other tools in our toolbox that you can pick. And that's what we stand for. Well, we touched base really on a lot of things that I would love to touch, at least again, just slightly. So first of all, we said um, performance bike that are almost really well customizable because actually paint job can be done. Um, yes, according to the taste of the person that is getting it. And uh, you were uh, saying that actually you can just get the bicycle or the color that you want just with a little upcharge, of course. But another thing that makes sense, and we were talking about that yesterday, is that basically this means that you are not only mass-producing the same bike with the same colors and everything, but actually you are only taking out from the warehouse a bike once is sold and this means a lot of things in term of in terms of of course um I would say uh, economical reason and also putting outside bicycles that probably they're not going to be used so stuff like this and also on the other side about sustainability because yeah. you're really producing only the things that you need that's yeah that's right i mean 
And for us, that's um, it has two benefits. It has an e- economic benefit. We are not left with, with product that is not getting sold because we made somewhere a wrong color choice, for example, or a wrong specification choice. The customer will get the bike that he likes, that he chooses, and that he will feel much better with and have a, have a strong connection with because it's his unique bike. And so we strive to eventually, we're, we're also organizing our production so that every bike can be a unique bike. Mm-hmm. And we're not uh, do, having to do serial production and, and start filling containers. Eh? And the fact that we do all of that in Belgium um, also helps us to, to keep that supply chain as short as possible. Um, and and to to only make product that needs to go out in the market. And we're not building overseas. We're not filling containers with with complete bikes. No, we're we're shipping components to our plant. We do the painting in house. We do the assembly in house in Belgium, with with Belgian workers, with people that are passionate about bikes. Uh, it's in our DNA. In in with a lot of Belgian people, cycling is in their DNA. We we like. To work on those bikes and and yeah that's for us really a, an added value um, for us as a, as a business but also for the customer um, it adds a lot of value yeah perfect uh, where exactly in belgium are you placed uh, we are located in beringen paal beringen which is the dutch-speaking part of belgium let's say in between antwerp and liege right in the middle Okay, and there is a lot of cyclocross happening there. In Flanders, in general, there's a lot of cyclocross happening over there, indeed. Yes, yes, yes. It's still our winter sport, the most popular winter sport that we have. Sunday afternoon, watching a cyclocross race on television with a good beer or a cup of coffee, that's the perfect Sunday afternoon for us. That makes a lot of sense. So actually, we talked about cyclocross bikes, performance bikes, but actually you were the brand here that came with a huge collection of gravel bikes. This is not a premiere here. I mean, it's a premiere for these models, but you are into the gravel bike world also for a bit of time already. But now they decided to... Let's make an evolution. Let's do something that is different from what the market is saying at the moment, and let's do it on our own way. Our own way, it means doing it according to the needs of the users, the cyclists, the customers, the passionate people that are jumping on a bike. Tell me a bit more about this Yes, this process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in, in our design process, we, we for this new bike, for example, the Council Adventure, we, we started from a blank sheet of paper. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of marketing people will tell you, yeah, here we really started with a clean slate, a, a, a white sheet of paper. But here it's, it's really true. And, and we looked at, okay, what do we want to make? We want to make an adventure gravel bike, a gravel bike that can go a long way that is really tuned to go off-road um, in, in heavier terrain. Okay, what, what do we need for such a bike? What are the, the design inputs? And we've started putting down the design inputs. And then it's a process of, of making the right compromises. Uh, product development is a continuous effort of making the right compromise. Um, and here on this bike, we focused on... on geometry first and we do that on every bike we make i mean geometry is the heart of the bike it's how the bike handles how it how it rides the feeling you get 
Um, on this bike, we wanted something confidence-inspiring, um, stable, um, smooth running, um, and also we took a lot of inputs from what mountain bike geometry did a couple of years ago um, and translated that to, to a gravel platform. So that was a very important aspect um, on, on this bike. And then it's other features like, okay, luggage, where do you put luggage on the bike? Uh, you use frame bags, okay. If you use a frame bag and you want to put your bottle on the bike, hmm, on a lot of bikes there's a conflict. The bottle touches the frame bag, you can't get your bottle out properly. So we looked at, okay, where do we position the bottle cage uh, mounting positions? Took a lot of effort doing that. What else we noticed is, okay, a lot of these people, ourselves included, because we are riders ourselves, we, yeah, we noticed, okay, there's a lot of things we miss on, on bikes out in the market um, and in our own range at that time that we features that we would love to have on a bike. Let's put it on this bike. And one of those is, is the cable routing for, for a dynamo hub and a lighting system and a charging system for electronics. So we took great care in, in designing that into the bike as well. And we made it in a way that if you don't use it, that we, you can perfectly hide it and nobody will notice. Um, so we did that. Um, cable routing, we took from our performance road bikes, we took what we call the clean cockpit uh, with, the, with the hidden cables. That yeah, means I cannot that, see any cable here. Yeah, yeah There's no cable inside, uh, in plain sight, but it means that if you put a bag on the handlebar, there's also another cable that gets somewhere yeah, squished between a bag and a handlebar stem or, or, or the frame. So there's no rubbing of cables, anything like that going on. And then, and then one of the biggest things on this bike, maybe literally also, is the tire clearance. It has huge tire clearance. You can put a full-size 29 uh, mountain bike tire in this gravel bike, which means that it extends the use case of this bike by a huge amount. You can go to much harder terrain um, than, than common gravel bikes do. Combine that with the with the confidence-inspiring geometry, and you really have a tool to go out there in, in the in the unknown. Um, we see that a lot of gravel events, gravel races, bikepacking races are getting quite extreme. Uh, we're talking Silk Road mountain race, Atlas mountain race, where where the terrain is tough uh, and where you need a rugged bike with big tires to give you that, yeah that option to go out there and do it with, with, with a gravel bike. So eh, when you have mixed terrain, you have the, the efficiency of the gravel bike, you have the comfort and the control of the mountain bike tires. And we, we married those two together um, on, on this new bike. And that's the way we approach product design. We look at, okay, what do we want to, where do we want the bike um, to go? Uh, what, what's the type of rider? What will he need? Um, and that's different for our different gravel bikes. It's different types of riders, different types of riding. And we feel gravel riding is different for everybody. Um, where you live, you have different gravel than where we live. Um, Mine is tougher. Yes, correct. <laughs> But we do have a lot of sand. And if you look at it, I sand is the finest gravel. There's no, there's no smaller gravel than sand. That's true. Uh, um, but yeah, that means that people will have a different idea of what gravel riding is and because there are so many options on what people believe gravel biking is 
we also offer different options in the bikes to ride that what what people perceive as their type of gravel yeah so let's talk about that one second so until now we talked about the kanzo adventure right but you have different things in the lineup there is actually the kanzo spa fast exactly the speed was actually the first one that's why actually i forgot i actually messed up but adventure fast and then behind me there is something new that we're gonna talk in one second we cannot we cannot say that right not yet okay okay when is gonna uh, the embargo is gonna come down uh, no firm date yet but end of this year hope perfect so you don't know anything about that people i don't know either so we're not gonna talk about that maybe i'm gonna ask you another couple of things but that's yeah we are talking about yeah the the fast and the adventure what's the difference behind it then uh it's clearly like peter already said like the adventure bike it's clearly designed as an adventure gravel bike with all the features of an adventure gravel bike mounting points more modern progressive geometry and all these kind of things really super wide tire clearance the council fast was our aero gravel bike it was basically the first real aero gravel bike on the market and of course, like we already mentioned before, we have a, a strong performance background, uh, developing road bikes that are used at world tour level. Um, we have already like a tradition of more than 10 years of developing aero road bikes. And with all that experience and knowledge that we had on developing the fastest road bikes, we took that experience and knowledge and we brought it into the gravel segment to develop the Council Fast uh, aero gravel bike basically we use the wind tunnel that we have uh, next to our building in Paul Bering and we have our own wind tunnel where we can do the wind tunnel testing so we took all those the, all that technology and brought it into the gravel bike so um, what aero features can you see on the council fast bike of course you have the aero tube shapes which are very similar to the tube shapes that we use on the Noah fast um, we have changed them a little bit to adapt them to a gravel bike so they can be like a little bit more ma uh, massive tube shapes. Um, we have a really clean integrated aero cockpit but also there we adapted the aero cockpit from the Noah Fast to more like a gravel version so it has a sh slightly shallower drop and a shorter reach mm -hmm. and it's flared so it gives you this confidence and stability while riding off-road what you're looking for so then you have the aero tubing fully integrated uh, cables so it's a clean cockpit bike you don't see any cables where on the adventure bike you integrate the cables uh, to avoid interference with your hand with your frame bags or with your handlebar bags on the council fast it's purely done for aerodynamic mm. reasons okay because the bike just gets faster when you don't have any cables hanging in front of the head tube so those are basically the main features of the um, council fast where we used all the knowledge that we have from our aero road bikes and we converted them into a gravel bike difference between the adventure and the aero road uh, aero gravel bike is also geometry wise mm -hmm. like peter explained for the adventure bike you're looking for a different kind of geometry then you're looking for an aero gravel bike aero gravel bike needs to be reactive you want to go fast on the bike it needs to react it needs to convert every pedal stroke into speed basically 
Um, so you need two different geometries. That's something which we are calling cancel optimized geometry. We have two different cancel bikes, a cancel fast, cancel adventure, and each of them has its own geometry to support the use of the bike and the terrain where the bike is used. This makes uh, really, really a lot of sense. But something that I want to really talk about, one second, then we're going to go through back to all the nerd and technicalities. Kanzo, where the names come from? The name comes from. The name comes from basically in the uh, Dark in, Ages. In the Middle Ages. In the Middle Ages, yes, you had the troubadours. Uh, so they were singers that were traveling from one village to another village. And they were just telling stories. It was like the entertainment, uh, the Spotify of the Middle Ages. So they were telling stories, singing songs to entertain people. <laughs> the podcasters of the or Middle the Ages. Or the podcasters. I love it. Without singing, though. <laughs> and basically, Kanso was the name of the song. Or like you have nowadays, you have like rap songs, you have... Uh, uh, rock songs <laughs> and all these things and council is the name of a song and for us gravel in general you do it basically to tell a story and council means we make bikes that make you a storyteller you go out there in nature you will have you can live your own adventure come back and you have a story to tell yeah. and that's why we use the name council as let's say the umbrella for all our gravel bikes underneath it yeah, and, and the story can be like, hey, I, I took my cancel fast and I, I beat every Strava com on, on the gravel loop. Or it can be, hey, I took the cancel adventure and I went out in the woods and it was dark at night and I was so scared because there were wolves around. I don't know. It can be all of these things can all be gravel stories. and Or maybe something as simple as, hey, you know what? I went out last night on my, on my gravel bike. There's, there's like this perfectly nice road over there where behind uh, in the next village that nobody knew about in your riding group and you tell them hey you should go and check it out and and that's what we what we like about gravel it it you can make it your own type of riding and don't let people dictate what gravel should be make it your own gravel make it your own story and and we will we will make the bikes that allow you to do it and that's that's how we look at at the whole concept of of gravel riding Let's talk one second because actually this part of the story, I mean, the storytelling of the Kanzo of bikes is pretty interesting for me. I know that we have a couple of anecdotes about these bikes here. I actually, we talked already about bringing, for example, the Kanzo Fast to the uh, Migration Gravel Race. Mm -hmm. This is a story there. Or bringing a prototype of the Kanzo Adventure to the race in the Canary Island. Grand Guanche. Grand Guanche. I will never remember this name. People, everybody there just... Uh, Forgive, but forget about that. But I know that you have stories about it. Tell me a couple of anecdotes about this bike. Yeah, so on on the Council Fast, we had, uh, had two two guys, the the Fat Pigeon crew, that went to Kenya to do the migration gravel race. And at that time, the Council Fast was our our freshly launched gravel bike. And and they were like, oh yeah, can we do migration gravel race on the on the Council Fast? And we were like, yeah. Because of it's course. a race. Yeah, it's race, a race. It needs to go fast. It needs yeah. to be aero. We need to save every what we can. So we want to have, we take the aero gravel bike. Yeah. That was their idea basically yeah. when they came to us. So so we said, yeah, go ahead. Take, take cancel fast. And then they did the event and then they came back and they were like, Ooh, yeah, maybe cancel fast was maybe a bit too... Um, 
too racy, too um, too too stiff, maybe for for that event. Huh? Um, and 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 we were like, yeah, but we have something coming up that may be the perfect tool um, to do that race in the future. And then they said, yeah, but we have another event coming, uh, Grand Guanche, um, where we would need a bike. And we know that we, we cannot do it with the fast because we, we definitely need more tire clearance than what the fast has. Tell us what, what is it you're working on. And then we showed them the concept we had on the on the Council Adventure and, and the, the 3D printed prototype or, or uh, scale we, the scale model we had and, and showed them the bike. And they were like, yeah, that's going to be the one. So we said, okay, yeah, let, let, we'll hook you up with, with two pre-production samples. We put in big mountain bike tires. We put in the, put on an Eagle drivetrain. Uh, so they have all the gearing they need. And you guys go and, and do that event with the bike. And then they came back and they were raving about how good it was and how capable it was. And then they said like, look, next time we do migration gravel race, we want to do it on the adventure. Um, and then they said, yeah. And then for, we, we have a lot of projects going on with them. And then they said, yeah, for another project, we definitely want Council Fast because that's going to be fast. It's going to be tough racing. We'll feel the, we'll taste the blood in our mouth when we do that, eh, because we're putting in so, so such big efforts. So there we want the fast and, and for the other ones, we want, we want the adventure and that shows how you can how you can pick your tool for the job you need to get done and and that's what we like about working with these guys they also then tell the story they go out they they are perfect at documenting those things at making documentaries for us at making video at making um, and content for us around it and and helps us to elevate the storytelling and that shows again how gravel can be many different things for many different people. That's great. I just want to ask you another thing, and actually let's go one second a bit more nerd. We talked about tire clearance. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so tire clearance, I mean, it's always a thing. Eh? Um, I organize, we, when we organize a gravel event, I once made some stickers and it, it was like, what is your tire size? It's like, a common talking point among gravel riders is like, hey, what tires do you have on? What what tire clearance do you have? And what we've seen is over the years that there that there's a um, a push or a move to always bigger tires. And it's not only in gravel racing; it's also in in, the, in road racing, mountain bikes as well. Mountain bikes as well. Uh, in mountain bikes, they've seen that there is a limit. Huh? <laughs> At a certain point, it. it maybe went a bit over the top. Huh? 3.08 yeah, is almost yeah, too much. Yeah, yeah. It's a fat bike. It's a, yeah, it's a, then it's a fat bike. And a fat bike is a very specific thing. Huh? Yeah. Um, but we noticed and we felt ourselves also that with a lot of bikes, including some of our own, we were limited in, in the tire clearance that the frame provided. And we're like, ah, oh, this bike could be so much more if it just had a little bit extra tire clearance. And with the Adventure, we went a bit further than just a little bit extra tire clearance. We went to let's put in massive tire clearance just to, to again give that option to go all out and put in a really big tire. And there we also see for people living in more mountainous terrain that they may like the bigger tires for the, for the grip, the comfort uh, that it gives them and the ability to tackle more technical terrain. But where we live in summer, it can get very dry and sandy. 
and in sand you also want a fat tire to like float over the sand so it shows that a, a big tire can be very helpful in in flat country like belgium or in the mountains of, of italy or france or the alps or or in the rocky mountains whatever um, and that's really cool to see again how some people may look at it and say like oh no that's that's like a semi-mountain bike whereas we say no it just gives you more options with your gravel bike so that's that's and that's also why we were really we really wanted to to nail the tire clearance on this bike and to go to such big tires and again it's same thing if you compare it with the aero gravel bike yeah, with our console fast there when you make the list when developing the bike there is nothing on the wish it's like okay we need to be able to put a mountain bike tire on an aero gravel bike because it just doesn't make sense while on the development of the adventure gravel bike yeah tire clearance is a really important thing because you want to offer all the, the yeah the widest options to the rider to tackle different terrains you don't know where he's going to ride the bike especially as it is an adventure kind of bike an aero gravel bike okay probably he will not go to these very rough gravel terrains so there the tire clearance is a little bit more limited but it was a choice and like peter said in the development of a bike you always have to make compromises you have to make certain choices and the tire clearance it's also one of those choices that we had to make which is different for an adventure bike compared to an aero gravel bike let's talk about numbers what were you talking about when you're talking about tire clearance then what can i put on these bikes yeah on, on the council adventure we wanted to put in um, a mountain bike tire a normal 29er 2.1 2.2 cross country tire we wanted to be able to fit that tire in the in the council adventure uh, that was definitely on the design brief um, and as i said before product development is, is is making compromises so one of the compromises then is or one of the considerations one of the things you need to take into account is okay this will affect my chain stay length because yeah it needs room to to fit in and then and then it is, and then you have to combine it with like the the chain ring size it has to be yeah a gravel size chain ring so a 42 44 teeth chain ring needs to fit and we want to keep the chain rings the chain stays as short as possible with the big tire and then you need to design around that and, and make sure that your frame is structurally strong enough to support that um, and that's the, the, those are then things you need to start focusing on and, and put in a bit of effort to bring that to a well-rounded um, package in the fast in the fast we went for it's like a 42 millimeter typical ah okay 700 c42 yeah what about 650b 650b for us i mean if you can have the benefits of a 29er why why go 650b um i think 650b in gravel is maybe something of an afterthought or of where some brands had a bike and noticed that people wanted bigger rubber in their bikes and a 700c wouldn't fit with fat rubber and they're like ah but 650b with fat rubber fits so you can have the capability of the fat rubber but then you don't have the the rollover capability that a 29er tire offers eh? everything that we've seen in mountain biking all the all the 
positives, all the benefits of a 29 tire, you don't have with a 650B. So we have brought those benefits also to the gravel bike then with the 650B, with the rollover capability, the traction, the lower rolling, roll, rolling resistance, all of those features that we know from mountain biking that work, we brought that to the gravel platform in the, in the Kanzo Adventure. So yeah, for us, it's actually, there's no, it's not an option. Just go for 29er tires and, 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 and enjoy all the, all the positives of that big fat hoop in the, in that bike that gives you everything. Yeah. All those benefits from the big tires. I have the last question for you people. Then we can end up the last meeting of our event and go ride bikes. Um, Flanders. So we're talking about really the, the Flemish area of Belgium. Flanders for me is Tour de Flanders. Cobblestones, nice people, nice beer, but basically this kind of ride. Steep uh, climbs, really steep climbs on cobblestones with where the cobblestones, they are not so well maintained as the trem Tremola San Gottardo is. So yeah, this kind of thing. If I should tomorrow, so I did it already twice, as soon as possible, I need to do it the third time. If I would love to do the Tour de Flanders tomorrow, what Ridley bike, or in this case, Kanzo bike, maybe, would you suggest me? For Tour of Flanders, I would suggest to go for the Kanzo Fast as an aero gravel bike. Uh, for that kind of terrain, if you do like the real Ronde van Vlaanderen with the cobbles, the tire clearance of 42mm, it's okay. It's no problem. You put on a slick tire of... 32, 34, 35 millimeters, um, you will have the aero advantage of the frame. Yeah? So it will take you less effort to go to a good speed. You will have the comfort of the tires, the comfort of the gravel geometry, um, and that will give you like a real comfortable riding on the cobbles. So I'm sure that you will have a higher average speed compared your, to your last participation. To the Ronde van Vlaanderen. Yeah. Last time I had, sorry for that, last time I did it on my, uh, now I sold it, it was a custom made steel bike, but there the tire clearance was only 25 millimeters. Yeah. Yeah. So my my pick this year, if it's this year's uh, Sportive, I would do the Council Fast, like Bert says. Adjust the gearing maybe, so that you maybe have slightly bigger gearing than, than the typical gravel gearing for the higher speeds put on some nice smooth rolling slick tires but then for next year's edition i would consider the new bike we're working on so we should talk about that again soon yeah once once we can talk about it we should talk about it yeah, yeah. i have to be completely sincere people i don't know if i can say this on records if i cannot say it i'm gonna delete it but it's just behind me and it looks awesome so we're gonna talk about that thanks a lot people it was really nice talking with you today Thank you. Hope you were satisfied with our explanation. We were at the top level of our presentation. <laughs> I hope it was good enough for you now. It was really good. I'm feeling super sorry that actually everybody now here, I actually, I think I need to do just one, another interview. I need to talk with the BCA people now yeah, to yeah. round up the thing. But actually, I think that everybody was 
tend to come to me with their presentation, classic preps presentation and everything, telling to me about characteristics and stuff while I was more interested about stories. For me, mm-hmm. uh, the, the story of the name of Kanzo for me is gold. It's also super important talking about tire clearance, don't get me wrong, but the most important thing for me are these kind of stories, right? All right, that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. yeah and we had a good chat uh, yesterday afternoon eh? over some bikes and... I think if we wanted, we could talk hours and hours about bikes and the stories and, and the experience a bike gives you. And for us, have a bike and, and go out and experience things. And that for us is the most important thing. We're not, I mean, we like selling bikes, but we like people having an experience on a bike. And that's what that's why we are into bikes. And that's what we want to have other people feel as well, feel the experience, go out there and enjoy. And yeah, I think that actually we have a couple of other points and other stories that we need to talk about. Probably it's going to be another podcast, another story and everything. But yeah, we talked about different materials. We talked about sustainability and stuff. And I really like that there are company like, companies like Ridley that are really taking care about some values that are really in the core, in my opinion, for cycling. So living the experience with different materials and giving also, let's say, the planet another chance. Because now it seems like we, or not all of us is giving it this planet another chance. And that's great. That's right. We're, we're, we're exploiting the planet. And I think it's time we start giving back. Um, and that's definitely for us, as Ridley, it's on our horizon. We are already working on stuff to, to, to do things for the planet, to give back and also to give back to society. And we feel that the bike can play an important role in, in the society uh, that we all live in, that we all share together. Um, and we feel we should be caring for each other and caring for the planet. Um, so yeah, behind the scenes, we have a lot going on there. Um, and we hope that rather sooner than later, we can, we can start putting out to the, to the world what we are working on and what we are doing. Thanks a lot, Peter. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Bert. It was a great chat. Thank you. Thank you too. So exactly on the 31st of March, yes, 31st of March, the new bike from Ridley, the Ridley Kanzo Adventure, went into the market. And there are a couple of super nice videos talking about that bike. And uh, for example, you can check the video from Cycling Tips made by Dave Everett, aka Shoddy. Hi, Shoddy. There is an amazing video, a couple of videos of him with super amazing broom wagon sticker on his laptop. Super thank you for doing that. As well as if you are a German speaker, also a great video talking about this bike also from my friend Felix. Just check it out if you like it. And I think it's a super cool adventure bike. Even if I have to be completely sincere, I'm still in love with 650B uh, wheel sets. Also because I just got a new one. So yeah. Um, another thing that I want to say is that I really can't wait to have another talk with the people at Hunt. We are already setting up stuff and with the Hutchinson people because sustainability and inclusion, it's really something they are, are driving their mission and is the same is two of the pillars of this podcast, of the Broomwagon podcast. Do you know what the three pillars are? Maybe we should talk about that. If you don't, just let me know in Instagram account or CC or Broomwagon podcast and leave me a comment over there if you want me to make an episode talking about the pillars of this podcast. 
What else? That I'm super happy for this second episode going live, despite for my conditions. And as I was saying, I think I'm gonna stay in bed or in the toilet when you're listening to that. But it's not about my stomach that we have to talk here, but we have to say thank you for listening to this episode and to arrive till here. Thank you to the BCA people, Julio and Simon, for inviting me there. And thanks to Komoot for supporting this podcast. Remember, komoot.com slash G. If you are opening a new account, register and use the code BROOM to unlock an extra region. Two more things down here. Three more things. Down here, coffee account and coffee, yeah, coffee account profile where you can drop a couple of coins to me to keep this podcast independent. Also here, buy Kigis. Just put some coins as well, you as well into the COVID jar to support this amazing association in Berlin who teaches to refugee women, especially from Afghanistan, to ride their bike. And the third thing is that this music comes from Shasha Z, the label from Ukraine, who supports people that in the moment are in shelters in Ukraine because of the stupid war that is going around. Uh, what else? What else? I think that that's it. If I'm gonna feel in shape, you will know that the next episode of this miniseries is gonna come next Tuesday. Same platform. Otherwise, Calamaro CC or Broomwagon Podcast, the Instagram places where you can find updates. I will talk to you soon. <laughs>